0: They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away.
1: Here we are.
2: Yes, we are. For a time, we weren't here last week. Yes. We were both having physical
1: Malfunction <laughs> Yes, yes, last week We intended to do a live broadcast For those of you Who are listening regularly We apologize, but between Elvira's Oral surgery yes. And my I guess it was a flu, I don't know It was something, it was not possible for either of us To communicate well That would have been a real interesting yeah. Point of reference And I, uh, I, I still am not a hundred percent. My voice may sound a little more
3: husky husky than
1: <laughs> usual. And uh, I do have a, lo- a lozenge in my mouth at the moment, so I apologize if you can hear that clickety-clacketing on my teeth. Or if I start coughing, I will pull away from the microphone. But there is a chance of a little bit of that going out over the airwaves. Sorry. See how honest we are?
3: <laughs> yes. Love me
1: in my
2: imperfections,
3: truly. <laughs> At this point, it's the
2: only way to go, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. human. It's so much fun. I know. Hey, you know, talking to people in the last week has been interesting about human frailties. Mm-hmm. So I will ask, obviously, the pertinent question that we always ask, mm-hmm. and it is, what
1: was your week like, and how did you make it through? Well, you know, it, um, I'm super behind on life. Right, right. So um, I started to feel a little funky a week ago on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I was pretty much down for the count. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was, my partner pointed this out to me, which just irritates the bejesus out of me.
3: <laughs> my
1: daughter had been sick. She brought this lovely illness into our home. Right. And I thought, oh, man, I'd love to just have a couple of days where I could lay around and do nothing but watch TV. And I said this out loud.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: My mistake. Really? I should have been more specific, you know. I'd love to have a few days of comfortable vacation where I'm completely 100% healthy and can just lounge about, but no. No. So the universe heard my prayer and gave (laughs) me what I asked for. The downside to this little bug was I had a horrendous headache. Uh So for two days I was just in constant pain, and it felt like it it hurt too bad to watch TV. Oh, dear. Damn it. I know. That's the whole point of being sick—is to watch TV. Exactly. Anyway, so, you know, you get behind when you can't do anything. I had to reschedule a few of my clients. I said, "Oh, I'm I'm really sick. I love you. I'm sorry. Tomorrow." Oh shit, still sick. How about the next day? Oh, you know what? Can I push you to just next week? So I had a rolling oh wow of reading clients feel bad about, but I'm getting caught up. Good. I still have to file my taxes. Yes. Um, you know, so I just feel a little frazzled because i am I am not on the ball as I normally would be. I totally understand
2: that,
3: yeah, you know. but
1: you know can't really complain. You're still
2: standing and at least walking about when you mm-hmm. came in, you seemed a little spry, and yeah. you know, I
1: mean, yeah, I feel good it's just this little bit of kick. of throat tickle that <laughs> hasn't gone away yet, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how are you doing? Well, gee, I can talk.
2: Not that I couldn't before of course the problem was with the gauze stuck in the mouth to keep the <laughs> bleeding, it sounded like I don't I don't you know, and Marlon Brando? Yeah, I really was working on the Godfather I was nice. trying.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but you know, it it was one of those things that as I said recently and also to Phoenix today, is that thirty years ago I had an impacted wisdom tooth taken out and for the what happened and I was a nursing mom at the time with a, you know, a fairly newborn newborn, about a year. I can't remember it being as dramatic. And this was <laughs> this was pulling a tooth out. This was taking a tooth out. It wasn't excavating to get the impacted tooth out. So I was kind of wondering, you know, in the time that it has gone by, how um I am not as as Looking at life like oh it's a lark and I'll just keep going and going on and and now it's not that it took me completely out but I realized I needed to rest yeah I needed to just stop I wasn't like I was gonna you know the ever ready bunny with the little yeah. batteries bouncing back and forth yeah um so that was a a humbling experience yeah. to say the least but other than that. You know, I was so excited because I get a lot of clients at Milk and Honey for the Saturdays I've worked, which blessedly paid for all of the dental up to the point that I, you know, had the extractions. That was like,
3: yeah,
2: so that was a good one, but other than that, you know, we've had some drama in different places, and, and we've had some things in the world out there, and yeah. the the altar I chose for this one, which is altars, was a justice altar, mm-hmm. and um, for many reasons, but there was just some things that happened during the week that really impacted me in terms of the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and all... It's been rough out there for, yeah. for humans. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It has. Um, my dogs don't think so. they're They're probably blissfully ignorant of the <laughs> process, except that obviously you know, mom's spending more time on the couch. Oh wow, let's pile on her. Yeah but um, so that's it. but looking forward to tonight's um, subject and obviously um, we should get into it. Yeah, okay, alters,
1: alters. yay.. Uh, what do we
2: want to start with?
1: Well, so this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, I have a book out there in the world that I helped to birds. <laughs> <at> <laughs> altars. It's called Hoodoo Shrines and Altars, and, and it's actually – uh, specifically around the Hoodoo tradition, uh-huh. but altars are a thing that I've always loved to create. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, not just in my home, but I've I've built many altars for public ritual. I often get kind of like a vision uh-huh. of how I see the the thing happening, and right. it's like this exciting thing of of building it and crafting it and putting it together. And I've done some workshops on altar building and uh-huh. blah blah blah, you know. But the thing I always tell people is that I'm a Taurus mm-hmm. with a Libra moon. Mm-hmm. So my sun and moon are both in Venus, and that means I like things to be pretty. pretty yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like things to be beautiful and pretty. <laughs> and so that's part, and I I mean, I'm joking, but I'm also serious. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I do have an aesthetic gift. I, right. I just do, and I'm going to own that. Good gonna, for you. And so I feel like that, you know, that eye makes it part of the fun part of an altar. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting in certain traditions of witchcraft, and especially in Wicca, you don't get the, the eye. You, uh-huh. you have to, it has to be this way, uh-huh. and it must face this direction, and the knife must be here, and the candle must be here, and it has to be this color. And right. it, it's great, and there's power in that, right? Uh-huh. Because if we we're all in this tradition, all over the world, all uh-huh. building our altars this way, wow, right? right. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. But I also like the joy and the playfulness and the experimentation and the creativity mm-hmm. that comes from creating your own sacred space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
3: you know, there you go.
1: Oh. That's just that's just my little thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I had a, a
2: live-in boyfriend from the time that I ended my second marriage to when I met the gentleman who would be my third husband. Yes, I'm not Zaza Kabor, though. <laughs> um, but... And all he told me, because uh, I was obviously very much into this by then, you know, I had stopped owning my store, but there were all these things I was doing. Mm -hmm. And he looked around, and it was like there was altars everywhere. There was altars in all rooms. And and on. And he just looked at me, and he goes, why do you have so many altars? You seem to have, you know, a way of of doing that, and it's like dissipating your power. You should just stop doing that and, you know, like collect it inside of you. And I was horrified. You know, to me...
1: I'm glad that guy was just a boyfriend and not your third husband. Yeah, well, there are a lot of other reasons (laughs) why he didn't make it to the third husband level.
2: (laughs) He so obviously doesn't get it. No, he didn't. He didn't. He he definitely had his his drawbacks. But it was interesting to note that wherever I have gone, I have put altars up. And Phoenix can attest to it as she's sitting here in my dining area Mm -hmm. and all the different altars that are floating around, well... They're on surfaces;
1: they're not floating. Now, there's at least six. Yeah. seven from where I, that I can see here from where I'm yeah. sitting right now. Maybe <laughs> that one up there, yeah. Um,
2: so yeah, that it—it just—it's like, to me, people put little figurines down and yeah. and make little uh, you know things that they like to make pretty.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, to me, altars are it. Well, no, it's a great joke, right? That you could, you'll know a pagan living situation or that you'll know you're in a pagan's house because there's altars on every available surface. Exactly. So we don't, you know, that's, that's
2: it. So altars are a very much part of my life as much as, you know, you have your obvious, you know, cause I have been in her house too and it does have the same flavor. Yeah. You don't miss out on making sure there are things there that are either devotional or working.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually I was, um, I was gifted this beautiful roll-top desk, Uh and it's, uh, you know, one of those cool roll-tops that's got lots of little cubbies Uh and drawers, Uh and I love stuff like that, Uh and that's become kind of my hoodoo altar space, Uh Um, although I will admit it's not super traditionally hoodoo. I've got an Aphrodite and a Yin. (gasps)
3: because they help
1: me. Aphrodite and I, like, that's When I do love work for clients, I call on Aphrodite. Uh So we have a working relationship, Uh so she's on that part of of my hoodoo space that is for my love work. Uh
3: And
1: then I do, you know, a lot of healing and uncrossing and things like that, and that's where I call on Kuan Yin. So Uh I have this sort of, anyway, blah, blah. But um, (laughs) this whole roll-top desk is quite big and heavy, and it takes up a lot of space, and on this uh, the, the desk part of the roll-top desk is where I have sort of candles always mm-hmm. burning and a honey jars going and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then on the top part of the roll-top is more of my mm-hmm. space. like I'm teaching at a witch camp this summer, and we're working with uh, Ariadne and the Minotaur. Mm-hmm. So I have a little shrine up there for the Minotaur and Ariadne. Mm-hmm. I'm communicating with them mm-hmm. and, and listening with them. So that when I go to this, this retreat, I'm, I'm mesh. You know? Right, right, and so that's like that's the big one in my mm-hmm. house because mm-hmm. it's it's always there. And the the good part about the roll top is I can close it when people do come over that I may not want to see the work I have going. Right,
3: right,
1: so, yeah. Well, see, and
2: there are all these ways we we make them. Yeah you know, a way to blend in. It yeah. depends, you know, when they come to my house, they know they're going to come to a place that's got everything. And, you know, that's, I don't have very many people that I'm concerned about not knowing what I do or, or concern about what I have. Right. Um, but let's talk about how how do you discuss building an altar or putting up something for a client that wants to
1: do work? Well, um, for those of you who are familiar with Catherine Ironwood and, and her teachings around hoodoo, she talks about lasagna, right? Uh-huh. You have to know the recipe uh-huh. um, before you start messing with it. You need to understand the origins. Uh-huh. And that really got me thinking when I was working on the book, because Catherine Ironwood is uh, through Lucky Mojo is who published my book, right? uh uh-huh. So she had a huge amount of influence, obviously, on how I wrote it. But I sort of think of it building an altar like a pizza, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The crust is the first thing, and the crust is your surface. Mm So it could be a table. It could be a bench. It could be the corner of a desk. It could be this whole whole room. Mm -hmm. But the foundation, the thing that you're putting your altar on is the crust, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's the first step. And it could be... Literally anything,
3: uh-huh.
1: you know? Uh-huh. You could have a, a little stand in the garden. You could have a corner of your kitchen counter. Like right. literally anything. Let yourself be creative. Right. Uh, and then the sauce comes next. So what is this altar for? Uh-huh. Is it for a specific goddess? Is it for a spell I'm working on? Is, what is it for? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I put something down. Actually, that's not true. First I cleanse. That's it. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> First I cleanse. So whether that's staging or using Florida water or some other neutralizer, mm-hmm. I neutralize the space, mm-hmm. especially if I bought it at a thrift store, which I get a lot of stuff from. Mm-hmm.
2: I think we all do. That's one of the reasons why I avoid thrift stores with a plague passion, <laughs> because I know I walk out of there. It's like bookstores. Oh, yeah. you know, Those are my two downfalls. Yeah. but. So
1: then you cleanse it. Cleanse it. Then you start adding the things that are going to feed the energy of why you're building it. Uh So, you know, for example, if you're going to build an altar for a love spell, Uh then you might consider putting down um, some powder, Uh some love me powder or some other powder that's been charged with a specific intention Uh or maybe some rose petals that have been dried or... Be creative, you know, Mm -hmm. it could could be anything, but it's the first uh, intention, it's the first step, it's the first energetic of Mm -hmm. this is what this space is for, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then you have a choice, do you want an altar cloth or not to altar cloth, right? You don't (laughs) have to have or to have not. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But if you're going to, then that's another uh, thing that you can have correspondence, Mm -hmm. I've been trying to Mm -hmm. pull. Another thing that fits into the correspondence. So Uh red or pink for love or one with little hearts on it Uh or, you know, whatever. Again, Uh this is an opportunity for you to be creative. Right. Right. Then you add all the tchotchkes,
3: Uh
1: you know, the statue or the candles or the incense bowl or the stones or whatever. I mean, Uh that's really when it becomes an opportunity for you to be super creative and to Uh put it out in a way that you find aesthetically pleasing. And Uh I think that that is the most important part of creating an altar, unless you're creating an altar for a specific tradition, which we can talk about in a minute. Right. But if you're building an altar for a spell, if you're building an altar for a shrine, if you're creating a space for a specific deity, Uh you want to find it pleasant to Uh look at. Uh You want to enjoy spending time there. Uh And so arranging your stuff in a way that looks pretty, Mm -hmm. arranging your stuff in a way that you find pleasing, and having items Mm -hmm. that you find pleasing to Mm -hmm. look at. So, you know, the thing that I often get asked about is, okay, well, what about money? You know, I want to build a shrine to Hecate. And I don't have a hundred bucks to drop on some beautiful statue.
3: Mm-hmm. You don't have to. No, you
1: don't. I found a little <laughs> wooden statue at a thrift store for a dollar. Wow. It's just a. It's an. It's an old lady, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think originally she probably had a rucksack or something mm-hmm. that's been broken up. It looks like Baba Yaga. Mm-hmm. It looks like Baba Yaga. So she's become my Baba Yaga <laughs> statue. I cleaned her off. I called Mm -hmm. on Baba Yaga. I said, here, this is for you. I love you. I honor you. Please spend time with me here. Mm -hmm. And there you go. Mm -hmm. Right. So, again, be creative. Mm -hmm. Go out there to the thrift stores and find candle holders that you like or plates or bowls or you can even find cauldrons or or cast iron dishes Mm -hmm. to burn Mm -hmm. incense and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it it doesn't have to be um, an expensive process.
2: No, and I think that –
1: the most exciting
2: part is finding those things. Mm-hmm. I know that when I used to go up and visit my friend in Oregon, we would go to a couple of these stores. They weren't really thrift stores; they were, but they were used yeah. things. They were antique stores, right. but they weren't like the high-end line antiques. And oh my gosh, you know, to this day I have things, and actually it's very funny because I have a chest. When I pared my house space down, yeah. I had to pare down. Oh my goodness I had to pare down yes the altars so I had to put things away well just recently I started I had to bring something out and I found I opened the chest up and I luckily found what I was looking for which is my Athena statue um but I realized how much of the stuff I had put in there and it wasn't like I opened everything up but I realized that that's a lot of those things are things I got when I was there and it was Amazing yeah. how, you know, they're little
1: treasures. And depending on how creative you are, mm-hmm. you, you can find a statue that is just a generic statue. There's lots of generic statues mm-hmm. out there, right? Oh, yeah. And if there's a specific goddess that you're working with or you want to build a shrine to, then you say, hey, lady... I'm working on this shrine for you. Help me find the right statue. Mm-hmm. And then you will, and you'll mm-hmm. find the right statue. Mm-hmm. And then you can paint it mm-hmm. or um, put a, a bronze on it so it looks metallic if mm-hmm. that's what you're into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can adorn it. You can put clothes on it. Like mm-hmm. there's lots of ways to decorate a, a sort of ho-hum, not-so-impressive statue that you may pick up right. at your store. And right. make some, something beautiful.
2: Exactly. Actually, in, in the more ancient times, they would. They would yeah. put clothing on yep. their statues. And then uh, each year they would clean the statue. They would take the old clothing off and burn it, and the new clothing they'd put on. So there was a whole ritual around
1: that exactly. process. Exactly. So, And, you know, the shrine... I keep referring to shrine So in my mind, shrine is a space you've set up for a deity uh-huh. And altar is a space where you're working uh-huh. So yes, those terms can be used Like an altar can be used interchangeably For either a working uh-huh. space, a spell space, or a shrine Right But in my mind, a shrine is specifically for a deity Right uh, And I forgot where I was going with that <laughs>
3: It's
2: okay, we'll find another place It'll come back <laughs> But I think, well, and it's true because You know, the um, in the Strega tradition, it's the the Lare, is the You know, the uh, house Spirit, right. the spirit that Guards and is part of the family of the house And they have a shrine and it's, You know, that does have certain things And it has to have pillars and it has to have A certain depth, you know, in terms of that But um, Truthfully, it is set up specifically for that, and they they offer, you know, food to yeah. the spirits. It's milk and honey, believe it or not, milk and honey, sure. and so it's fascinating, because I was looking at, when we were talking about doing this, I started looking at the different traditions yeah. that I have, you know, participated in, or that I have been interested in, and I found that that was an interesting one. I sort of have a shrine of that nature. Um, it's interesting that the particular latte, uh <laughs> Ha, is a is a statue I got at the Renaissance Fair, mm. and she's the the um, angel of wisdom is how she was presented, but mm. she's really pretty, and I actually found a way to display her and put her and, and honor her in the place I'm in. But it was it was just weird how when I started doing that tradition and working on it, what came up. Right. But um, so shrines are. I think we would classify them more like devotional altars. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, with a shrine, with a devotional altar, a space that's dedicated to a specific entity. To me, super. This is so my opinion. It's much more important to keep that space active, uh-huh. right? If you if you build this beautiful shrine, this beautiful altar to this goddess, you want to foster that relationship, and that means spending time there mm-hmm. that means meeting offerings on a regular basis mm-hmm. that means keeping mm-hmm. it clean and that's all part of developing the relationship with that goddess and those i mean really if you've had a long relationship with a goddess it's like any other relationship it's so easy to take it for granted mm-hmm. it's so easy to let it get dusty or go oh bridget knows that i love her i don't need i like i have a bridged altar right now I have a few of them, but this one specifically, I always give her whiskey, and I haven't in like a month because she knows I love her. That's so bad. Mm -hmm. So bad. Mm -hmm. I've got major guilt about the fact that I ran out of whiskey for Bridget. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It it feels disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like. If you're going to build a devotional altar, if you're going to build a shrine for a deity, mm-hmm. you better be prepared to do that work. Mm-hmm. And it can be a drag, and it mm-hmm. can be time that you don't have. Mm-hmm. And if that was your lover, your partner, your child, and you weren't setting aside time for that relationship, you're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing with deity. Mm-hmm. You have to make time for that relationship, or it's not going to be a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like shrines are... A little bit more intense, right? Than than a working altar space right. or a ritual of space, you know, because those are temporary. They come and they go. You do your spell and then you take the altar down, right? You do the ritual for the for Beltane and then you take your Beltane altar down or right. whatever, right? You know, but if if you're dedicated to Bridget and you stop giving her whiskey,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you might be in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oopsie! I think I might have to stop at the store on the way home. I think so. I have Canadian whiskey, but I feel weird about giving her Canadian whiskey. You know, like she be like, where's the real stuff?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Where is
2: the stuff? I totally understand. Interesting is that uh, one of the things that when I was doing some research about altars is that there is an actual constellation called altar. That is in really? the sky. Yes, it is, ah. and that it's called the feminine constellation, and it was that was where the earlier um, the earlier matriarchal societies would model their um, their spaces in alignment with that constellation. Wow, I know, I know I was like, "Are we really kidding me?" But that was one of the things, and it obviously was the the, the symbol of the earth mother's mm-hmm. regenerative powers in the womb, and you know, so the altar became that part with the constellation being her stellar part huh yeah i was I was intrigued by that, oh, that's cool, yeah. So that was something I wanted to share because obviously, as we go down into the different parts of history and we go into different layers of religious um, affiliations, mm-hmm. we have Christianity was basically you know the altar. It was interesting that in the Bible
3: mm-hmm.
2: is a point of reference of relics. You know, being buried in the altar, that part right. of that was in the altar space. Right. And that was, it was kind of a little bit of a missed, missed point of reference because, again, going from aligning it with the stellar constellation altar to putting something in the actual altar, they kind mm-hmm. of shifted it a bit. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: there's a lot of sacred geometry to play here too
3: mm-hmm.
1: especially when we look at how catholicism and and different christian faiths um judaism too they have a very specific way that temples are set up exactly and it's very mathematical sacred geometry there's very interesting you know if you look at the freemasons and mm-hmm. their temples and things like that it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting mm-hmm. um yeah if you're like a a Mass geek and into that, it's totally worth doing some research. Right. Right. There is a, everything has, especially with the Catholics, because they're so um, pagan. (laughs) Uh, You know, everything has a specific size, Mm -hmm. shape, Mm -hmm. and measurement. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, the cup has to be this size and the stem of the cup has to be this size, right? Right. Very detailed in their altar. Right. Very, very detailed. Things have to be set and so Specific a way, right? And that's like Gardnerian Wicca. Uh-huh. When you set up your altar in Gardnerian Wicca, it has to be in a very specific way. This thing has to go here and here and uh-huh. here, and uh-huh. you know. And most often in Wicca, and in in modern witchcraft too, people set their altars up facing the east. Right, right. And I always that that always was weird to me. Like, why do you care where I set up my altar? So the east is the beginning. It's the, where it's the, sun the sun rises, rises right? It's, right? It's the that new, fresh energy. Mm-hmm. So there's a regenerative regenerative quality of the
3: east, right?
1: right? Every Every day right. we have a new chance, a new, fresh start in right. the beginning. Right, yeah. And yet there is also a
2: very strong tradition of putting the altars in the north. Yes. And I know that, again, different traditions, different branches, different... Cultures, you know, you have the Scotch, the Irish, you have the Scandinavians. You, have, they all have certain things that they did, and it was specific. But if you think about where they are on the planet, and what was more important at the time in their culture, right? Why? I mean, we're talking Italy is the Mediterranean, right? Okay, and you got all those Mediterranean things with the sun and and all those those concepts of yeah. where it is, whereas. The northern, northern Europeans, it's more north, it's cold, it's
1: north, it's the, you know, where the ancestors are, that kind of a thing. Well, and that's the whole thing, too, right? Where are the ancestors in your tradition? Some traditions, the ancestors are in the north. Uh Some traditions, the land of the dead is to the west. Uh So there's all these superstitions about which way you face when your circle is cast. Right. You shouldn't uh, be facing the dead. Right, because then they you might be lured right, right, so if your dead reside in the north, your back would be to the north, mm-hmm. right the ancestors stand behind you, right, or if in your system uh the dead are in the west, then you would you would set your altar up facing the east, mm-hmm. so the dead are standing behind you mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. so there's also this interesting uh connection to the the um, Directions mm-hmm. based on where where that system believe is is set up. For. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's and again, it's what you feel. I mean, when you're walking into this and you're saying, "Well, this is what I'm going to do," and I feel this. That's really, I think, important. If you want to look up your ancestry, if you want to know where your roots are, and you start feeling drawn to that, then you'll need to modify the feel of what you want to what your culture is, if you choose to. Absolutely you know yeah. and um interesting is that i also i guess it's kind of going back but um the woman is the altar of heaven
1: mm-hmm.
2: that is what the church says oh really yeah Yeah, huh. the church belief huh. but it's um it was very interesting because uh that was what one of the um, main people augustus in the church you know, it was saying that the woman is the altar of heaven. Interesting. I know kind of, you know, that mm-hmm. they waffled, I think back and forth at the beginning. Yeah. I don't think they had as, as, as rigid of how they saw things at the beginning as they do
1: right. down the road. Yeah. So, Christina, you know, I'm not, I was not raised in a Christian household uh, and I find Catholic churches to be super cool. Yeah. So do I super cool. And, um, I just was watching a video earlier today about Grace Cathedral, which is a beautiful church in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and it has a labyrinth inside and outside, actually, mm-hmm. there's two yeah. different labyrinths, but actually they have two different labyrinths outside. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Neat, I've yeah. only seen
2: one of them outside I thought there were two, there was one inside and then there was another one And I thought they had another
1: one That's possible. Anyway, but the thing I like about the Catholic, I, well, there's just something about a Catholic church And especially, I think, Grace Cathedral, because it is in San Francisco So it's a little bit more of a progressive mm-hmm. part of the world And mm-hmm. it seems so open, it, it feels so interfaced to me Even mm-hmm. though they hold Catholic Mass there every mm-hmm. Sunday but they have these little pockets around Grace Cathedral. And I know other bigger Catholic churches do this, too, but there's there's the Mary Magdalene Chapel. Uh-huh. You know, there in the Grace Cathedral, there's a chapel specifically for those who died during the AIDS crisis. Uh-huh.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, and it, there's just something about going to this sacred place, going up to this sacred altar that... Is taken care of beautifully by mm-hmm. the devotion of the people who are in that church. Mm-hmm. And lighting a candle, from just sitting in meditation. Like mm-hmm. there is, I wish there were pagan temples like that that I, mm-hmm. you know that were easy to get to because most of the places that have built pagan temples are in the middle of nowhere. That's true. <laughs> but there's just something very soul. A filling, mm-hmm. you know, to go into Mary Magdalene Temple and mm-hmm. sit and know that this is a place for women and to mm-hmm. light a candle and mm-hmm. to be in that space. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's well, and
2: they're very much. I mean, again, when you go in, um, I mean, I've I've been in the Greek Orthodox, or the, actually, it's the Russian Orthodox. I'm sorry. Uh, church here in Santa Rosa
3: oh yeah there's
2: love that and uh, you walk in and and, you know I mean obviously they don't have seats (laughs) they have benches on the walls for old people if they can't stand but of the different icons the painted icons and Mm -hmm. you know to me going in and looking at their philosophy in practice yeah and um, then, of course, you know, the churches that we have, whether it's the more modern ones or the cathedrals or the, the temples or the, you know, traditions that are there. It just, and I guess we, even when I went into the European ones, it was fascinating. Yeah. There's such a, and I'm not talking about antiquity, I'm just talking about the feel. Yeah. You know, so I think that, when I look at altars, in terms of that, I look at my home, right, as that. It's a cathedral. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a sacred temple. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's part of why maybe I do so much here because I may not have little sections that you can walk into. Yeah. But you can set up different things right. that represent are important to you.
1: Absolutely, and anyone's home can be that way, and that's sort of how. We hold milk and honey as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I tell someone who's you know just we just got a new employee at Milk mm-hmm. and Honey. Milk and Honey is a temple, mm-hmm. and when you are there, when you are working, mm-hmm. you are the priestess of that temple. Mm-hmm. And we have we have shrines, several different shrines for different purposes. Mm-hmm. We have a community altar where people come mm-hmm. and light candles and write petitions and prayers and. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're working that energy, and that's the same, I think, with a lot of pagan folks and witches' homes is we have yeah. these these shrines, these areas that are dedicated to specific spirits, specific energies, places where we're working spells, mm-hmm. and so our home becomes a temple, and, it, and really it should. I mean, it, right. it's a sacred space.
3: Mm-hmm. You come in from wherever mm-hmm.
2: and you become. I have not quite gotten the, the take your shoes off and, and walk in and that kind of thing. I can understand it. I, yeah. I understand it on many different levels, practical and otherwise. Um, but I guess the way that our life runs, I don't practice that. Yeah. And my home has to accept that as part of it. But, right. um So what would we put on an altar if we were doing just a standard, you know, pagan
1: Should we take a break and answer that when we come back? I think it would be a great idea. So what would you put on an altar? Yes. To be answered in a couple of minutes.
3: Truly. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Hour with Catherine Irwin and Kanjaman Ali Sundays, 3 to 4.30 Candela's Corner with Candelo Camisa and Michael Carell Mondays, 5 to 7 The Crystal Silas League Hour with John St. Germain Tuesdays, 5 to 6 In the Streets with
2: Beverly Smith Tuesdays, 6 to 7 Good of with Madame Naya and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays, 6 to 7 The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield Thursdays, 6 to 7.30 The Witch the Priestess in the Cauldron with Elvira Eleven, and Phoenix Le Fridays Friday, 6 to 7 and liquid libations with Andrea Western, Saturdays 5 to 7, all-time specific. Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Venture
0: Curie Company in Forestville, California, on online at com. Well, that's quick. That was quick. Yes.
2: Putting something on an altar. Yes. We talked about whatever cloth and whatever mm. way of putting it together and statuary. Yeah. Um... I know that we talked about all of the tools that we uh, have built up over the, the various episodes, Former video shows. yep. Yeah. Yep. So you would definitely consider a cauldron or a chalice, yep. or your, you know, for the element of water, and you know your athame and your wand. And yeah. I don't know about the sword though. You know, I mean it's will have a big. If it fits, sword. sure. Sure. And. Then, You'd have your um, stones and your earth aspect yeah. and salt. And so I did find out one thing, and it's funny because I always have learned to do, you know, the salt bowl and then, you know, you, your circle with the, you know, how you cast your circle. But one of the things I was reading was about the salt and how they put it in a manner around the actual altar working space. To contain the energy, not to protect it from negative beings. Right. And that was, it was, you know, again, a very simple refocus. Yeah. Instead of that, which obviously so much fear that we can put up, but if you think about it, you're doing a container rather than to contain the energy, to make it more powerful. Yeah. So when you set your altar up and however you choose to set it up whatever direction and and all that you're you're containing an energy on that altar right and like for me I'm thinking of it as this beacon of light or beacon mm-hmm. of energy that you start working with impulsing this to to bring in whatever that situation is that you're working on
1: I think um I think that creating a circle can be looked at both ways. And I definitely have heard, I think this is a tradition thing too. Like uh-huh. some traditions are very clear. Like we are building a container to keep our stuff uh, contained. Uh-huh. So we have kind of like we're building a, a battery, right? right. We're, we're building up the energy. And then when we determine it's time, we will release that energy. Uh-huh. Where other folks or traditions or systems are are creating a circle, creating a container to keep forces out because Uh the belief is when we create sacred space and we're doing ritual or we're doing spells or whatever, we become sort of like a a beacon and it draws in the attention of Uh entities that we may not want paying Uh attention to us, right? Uh Uh So I don't know what my personal opinion is on that. I think I go back and forth, but it's definitely something to determine before you create your circle, right? Do you think you need to create a protective barrier or are you creating a container or both, right? Because mm-hmm. that's going to impact how you create your container. Right. Yeah. And
2: obviously creating altars or working devotional altars within your space. Now, I, when I work with clients a lot of times, they are doing things with members of the family or other yeah. people that they don't want to know. So it isn't like they can put it in their bedroom and nobody will go in. So a lot of times I will downplay the a, the specifics. I will give them a candle, just light it. It's you know, it doesn't have to have a color. If you really like it, fine. But you know, light you know, do this, and you can put you know some things under uh, a cloth so that it's not necessarily visible. And sometimes people have to do them so that you know, they're as we have found we go to places where you can't burn candles so led
1: lights are are the secondary best thing in the world And i think that comes down again to what is the purpose of the altar i'm creating Uh right am Uh i am i doing this ritual this one time and then i'm going to take this down and dismantle it or am Uh i building a shrine to hecate or Uh whatever Uh you know and having a really clear idea of what it is that the intention behind the space that you're building Right Some altars are temporary And are only going to be up for the hour it takes you to do your ritual mm-hmm. or For ten minutes
3: mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm.
1: Some altars uh, you can uh, I like altars that are hidden in plain sight
3: mm-hmm.
1: You know Especially protection altars or, or things you create in your home That someone might walk right past And have no idea that that's doing magic for Right For household Right I love that And also Little tiny altars that you've built in a matchbox or mm-hmm. in a, a tin for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you take and th- that travels with you. Right. You know, These are always um, altars. Don't have to just be stationary and huge and <laughs> en- <laughs> enormous things. you know, right. that, that like the temple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it can be a matchbox with right. your pocket. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting because I.
2: It's movable. You, you that mm-hmm. reminded me. Um, I do that with my car.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, my car becomes an altar yeah. and it becomes a movable altar. It's sort of like, you know, a spaceship but not quite. And, you know, I don't necessarily have different things that are very obvious. I mean, I have a ton of stuffed animals in the back or dragons and and, right. and I have a little I had a shell that had, you know, an abalone shell that had all these different sacred things in it that were like part of the, the spells that I, you know, and the, the devotional things I would put in there. Right. Um, and it's it's been very interesting when I did that what I was thinking at the time because I was driving to Oregon and back. I was driving a lot. Yep. So I wanted it for the protection, but I also felt that it was a way of making it my chariot and I was right. you know sacredly doing this journey which was for the most part I was doing it to work with the the people up in Oregon that I worked with so um but it's it it can be anywhere it can be anything
1: absolutely
2: it is uh I mean we've obviously as I said we previously we've given tools we've given structures but a steak knife or a regular butter knife or anything that you feel you want to put in a specific area can be the part of what you're building. Right. It, it really is the intent of what you're trying to do and how you can do it within the context of what you're doing. Sometimes it's, you know, too public. Right. And people don't feel they want to do it that way.
1: Well, and if you're doing spell work or some sort of ritual that needs to stay hidden, I mean, that's part of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. You don't want to carry around a billboard that says, I'm working this spell right now. Ask me all about it. You know, that's (laughs) that's diffusing the energy of your spell, which we talked about all of this on our show on creating a spell. Right, right. But you don't want that. You want it to be quiet and hidden Mm -hmm. and and just for you or Mm -hmm. the group of people that you're working with. Mm -hmm. So making Mm -hmm. it something that's hidden in plain sight or something that's small uh-huh. or, you know, just having a a candle, you know, there are so many decorative candles. I admit that I love Target. <laughs> I admit it. And if you go to tar- any Target in the freaking world, there is a whole aisle of uh-huh. nothing but candles of different sizes, shapes, colors, and scents. It's exactly. like cheesy candle overlook. It is. It is so people are de- people are decorating their homes with candles, never with the intention to burn them. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just for pretties. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that you couldn't have a candle in your home that looks just like a decoration, mm-hmm. a lovely tchotchke that's on your kitchen table mm-hmm. as a centerpiece. Mm-hmm. But you know that that's something else. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. And I think that that
2: is. When you talk about, you know, when we we thought about altars as as being a, a show, and I was thinking, well, yeah, I mean, how do you explain an altar? I mean, you can only say so many things um, <laughs> because then you have, you know, like visuals, like this is what you do and, you know, right. and play and all that. But I think it's what do we feel an altar is? An altar mm-hmm. can be, something special it can be something ordinary it can be uh, in a window as on a windowsill it can be you know believe it or not (laughs) um i have what would be considered an altar out front i have a, Mm -hmm. a a bird bath and i have you know the 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 icons of the sun and moon and then i have you know something else over here and the plants and um you know it was, I had a statue until one of the myriad things that happened in this place somebody stole it which uh, I felt was hysterical
1: because it's a concrete statue I gotta say man people who steal stuff from metaphysical shops or or things that are clearly magical in some
2: way are stupid term,
3: bad.
1: you know bad. bad
2: I mean just you cannot believe the dynamics I mean it, it's it's it isn't exactly the the fact that somebody's going to do bad juju i mean they can and yeah. probably do yeah. but the idea of what that energy is imbued with right whatever it is it right. doesn't matter and how that energy has been stolen
3: yeah
1: and what it does right it's just like I always think about, uh, this is sort of a non sequitur, but whatever, that's what we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, I always think about the people who know that there's a curse from Pele if you take any of the rocks from Hawaii, Mm -hmm. and how people still do it, Mm -hmm. even though they've heard the story of people who leave Hawaii having stolen rocks and then mail them back Oh yeah, (laughs) because they've had nothing but bad luck since they left. Yeah. just, Just don't do it. But yeah, just don't take it. Yeah, yeah. Trust <laughs> yeah. me. there, there.
2: It was kind of like it's funny because when I worked with a Kahuna, and I wanted to do something, and I, I, I asked him because I figured, who best to yeah. ask permission, right? You know, and he looked at me, and you know, he was kind of smiling, and he, it was just one of those where, you know, yeah, what to do, and I realized well. <sighs> I work with fire. I am a fire priestess, and I kind of did my bargaining with Pele, because there was a point where I went but you are part of me, and I need to, you, you, for you to be with me is important. I can be with, you know, metaphysically I can be with you, yeah. but the physical yeah. is really, like, high. And I did the same thing when I went to Sicily because Mount Etna, yeah. you know, the lava and all that, and mm-hmm. it'll. And I mean, I did the same thing. It was like, I don't take you unless we have a real nice discussion. right? And then, because this is where my heritage is, um, my roots and one side. We kind of discussed the the pros and cons of it. Right. So, um, but it was interesting because yeah, man, Kahu told me how many people, yeah, of even his own students, would mail right. them back to him.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So That's, it's it's funny. and it's and it's true, but it's in anything. It's you know if you ask permission, right, and treat it with sacredness, right. I think it would be again the same process. Yeah. So yes, it's a non sequitur, but it does. (laughs) It comes back to the fact of deity, yes, and sacred objects that you will either bring home or take with you
1: for a purpose, and you work with, right? Yeah, and if you are building a shrine, if you're working with a deity, having something on your altar that connects to that deity, yeah, a statue is great, but but what else, right? And. And if you uh, can get a hold of something that is from the origins of that goddess, like there are uh, candles you can purchase. If you can't, for example, Bridget, right, mm-hmm. who I owe whiskey to, you can uh, get a candle that's been lit from her sacred flame mm-hmm. in Kildare.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then and what the belief is, if you have a candle that's been lit from that candle from that flame, any candle you light with that candle now also carries the energy of the light of Kildare. So Mm -hmm. it's it's like a pay it forward type Mm -hmm. of of Mm -hmm. fire. So I have a candle that's Mm been lit from the light of Kildare, right? Mm -hmm. And that is on my Bridget altar. So it connects right back to Mm -hmm. Ireland, connects Mm -hmm. right back to where this goddess still is alive in the landscape, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you can find a way, get a little bit of dirt, get a little bit of water, get a a little bit of vegetation or mm-hmm. something that connects to the origins of mm-hmm. that deity mm-hmm. even better mm-hmm. even
2: better
3: yeah well
2: and that's when i went to sicily i actually did find the shrine of Hakate. yeah and from there i did take dirt and it is with her so yes very much so i you know i feel the strength of what we have going so Absolutely. But um, very quickly, one of the things I wanted to share, and we may wind up doing a special section on, um, I don't know, geomancy is a term for sacred, the sacredness of... Place and yeah. how you work with it, either feng shui or geomancy for the Europeans. and The Hawaiians really don't have a, a statement of geomancy. They call it the mystical being. Mm. So they fashion it on the turtle. And so <laughs> when you're setting up your altars or you're setting up sacred space in your home, one of the things that I usually work with is talking to people about where in their house is their financial corner. Where is their love corner? And then working with that. Or, you know, it isn't just the place in the house. As a house, but in a room, it's whatever entrance you come in is your main entrance, is the mouth of the turtle, and from there you orientate everything
3: else.
1: Mm. And um, rather than try to just and do you get to determine which area is connected to what, or is it a set thing like feng shui? It's a set thing. Okay. So if you
2: come in and you walk in the door, mm-hmm. the furthest left corner is your finance corner. That's true in feng shui. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. The furthest right corner is union marriage partnership. Mm-hmm. Okay. I believe that's community in feng shui. Okay. And if you're going to go what's between, and it's funny because what between finance and union is status and fame, the position in life. Interesting. Okay. And that would be actually directly opposite your front, you mean the main entrance. Right. Okay. So if you're going to go from the union, which is the farthest right, the next farthest corner would be um, outward assistance for other people, people you want to get help from. Yeah. Which then between that corner and the union corner is children, hmm. new thoughts and ideas, birthing. Mm-hmm. All right. So, if you go back to the finance corner, which is the farthest left, and you go up to the corner that is the farthest you know which is left, yeah, that next corner is wisdom and knowledge, and between wisdom and knowledge, that's family nice and you you know you would put it in that format, and it was interesting because. Technically, there should be only one way in and one way out. And if we all know how most of it, unless we're in an apartment, which has no balcony, right? Um, we always have extra doors. So you have to be aware that you make one entrance your main entrance, and from that is the case. So if people only come in from their back door, yeah, then they need to reorientate it from that.
1: So it, like in feng shui, if you have... Um, Something in a not great place Like in feng shui the toilet Mm -hmm. is like a Terrible Mm -hmm. energy Mm -hmm.
3: Sucker which makes
1: sense right Yeah it sucks stuff down You're flushing shit (laughs) So in feng shui there are things you can do To sort of mitigate Mm -hmm. help Improve that energy Mm -hmm. is that true in the Hawaiian Yes it is yes it is the same It, It follows a similar path Which makes sense right Yeah because first of all
2: you know You close the door Or keep the door as close as possible. Put the toilet seat down. Um, You know, uh, there are things about putting um, curtains or beading around, which is interesting because most of us, you know, in the 60s and the 70s, that was very popular. (laughs) But it was, it's a way to break the energy up. You know, you want to break the energy up and not have it going, just like you why you put crystals in the windows. Mm -hmm. If, for instance, you have large windows, you try to put crystals in the windows to break up the energy. Instead of like a fire hose energy coming in, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you you break it up with those crystals. That's the lead crystals, not just crystal crystals, Yeah. and the same idea of stuck energy in corners, mm-hmm. you know, the little streamers or gold or, right. you know, red. are no good in Yeah, this way. Feng Shui. Anything with a hard edge. Hard edge, yeah. not good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they're very, you know, and then the different things like water and, and putting things into the different areas to make things flow.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he was very interesting on how he had a fit. And literally go over different houses that we would be given and Mm -hmm. feel. We weren't allowed to douse in the sense of like pendulum. We had to feel the energy and where it was stuck. And from that purpose, of course, (laughs) learn how to um, balance it, manage it, change it. Mm -hmm. So, but for altars, that would be, you know, the main thing about where altars go is what are you trying to do? Right. You know, so using the concept of. Hawaiian or geomancy or feng shui, the same concept of where you want to put
1: it. Yeah. It comes back to the foundation of virtually everything we talk about ever. mm -hmm. What's your intention?
2: What's your intention?
1: (laughs) Ta-da! So,
2: but that's kind of a, you know, we may want to do something later on, you know, placements and and different systems. Mm -hmm. Because they all have a general idea, general way of looking at it. It's just how they... I think how many rules and regulations versus, you know, not. Yeah. So, but anyway. Just
1: a few minutes left already. That went fast. I know. I know. So if you read any of the marketing materials that we put out about today's show, Mm -hmm. there was an opportunity to win a free book. Yay! (laughs) Who Do Shrines and Altars by Phoenix Buffet? (laughs) That's me. <laughs> uh, so the way that we're going to do this, I have three copies, three free copies. So if you go to witchprecisscauldron.com and you go to our Ask a Witch page and put in your name and your email, I will pick the first three emails I get to get a copy of my book for free. And I'll even ship it to you for free. <gasps> so nice. You are. That anyway, is so nice. So, yeah, go to our website. And on top of that, go to our website, witchpriestesscauldron.com, And go to our Ask a Witch page And put in a question Because we're going to continue to do that segment Mm -hmm. Pretty regularly The Ask a Witch segment Mm -hmm. So if you'd like a free reading Online or on air Mm -hmm. Or if you have a weird, wild Or wonderful question About witchcraft or paganism That you'd like us to banter Mm -hmm. about Put that in and, and you'll be on the list For the next Ask a Witch show And we do banter well. We do. Yes. Yes. It's what we do. And we have a festival. A festival coming up. Yes. And this one is? In May, on the weekend of the 13th and 14th, it's the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, which happens in Forestville, California, at Lucky Mojo. And although I'm not presenting this year, I am helping behind-the-scenes keep the presenters organized and on time, because that's what I do. She does a good job. Out of fun. You get so much free stuff, it's uh-huh. ridiculous,
3: uh-huh.
1: including goodie bags, books, and food. Yes. Plus, you get to hang out with all of your favorites from the Association of Readers and Root Workers, like Professor Charles Porterfield and Catherine Ironwood, and on and on and on, Nadia. Who else is going to be there this year? Madame um, Pamita. Madame Pamita. We're going to have Miss
2: Aida. Mm-hmm. We are going to have um, Deacon Millett. Right. Um, some of these people have presented in the past. They have yep. written books. Right. So, you know, there and are
1: You can get readings. And you will be able to get readings, yes. So, yeah. So I'll be there Saturday and Sunday. Elvira will be there Sunday. Yes. We'll be doing readings and Hanging out and having fun, it's definitely a good time. So check it out. Go to the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church website to get more information. Definitely. And on that note... 7 o'clock I know Now yeah. next week We are going to be doing Inanna and
3: Orishkigal
1: Yep Yep And I'll, I'm going to sing for you next week Oh goody Because there's a really great song for Inanna I think this is going to be Ostentatiously great
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Well that's how we are Elvira I know We are ostentatiously great We are <laughs> Alright well for tuning in Take care Bye Bye